0: This is the Bill Kelly Show podcast.
1: But uh, we have heard from Ontario NDP leader uh, Andrea Horvath, who we also invited onto the program, and uh, we had a few days here where we had to coordinate dates and schedules and everything, but uh, we're pleased to welcome Andrea Horvath to the Bill Kelly Show here on CHML. Welcome, Andrea. Good to have you with us again.
2: Are you saying I was playing hard to get, Bill? No! <laughs> it's not your
1: style at all. I
2: won't kidding. It's really great uh, to uh, be apparently here. Apparently
1: some people at Queen's Park actually work, though, so you know we had to <laughs> re- re- work around your schedule, but I'm glad you got some time for us now. Uh, it's my pleasure. Hey, let, uh, i got to ask Obviously, because of the area that you represent here as is, is an MPP, but at the same time, uh, we had a, a little bent, as I'm sure you've heard of, of city council with the LRT issue today with a downtown stop. Uh, there 's some concern now that some of these councilors may be trying to backdoor this thing to try to kill the project death by a thousand cuts in other words vote against everything that comes up on this y- you 've been pretty steadfast in your support for lrt
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i have been i continue to be uh, look i have uh, t- I take no issue with counselors who are trying to do their due diligence as you know uh, that 's something that 's uh, necessary so I know there 's been some concern around the uh, operation of the uh, the line once it 's built you uh, know whether there 's been an- enough uh, oversight from the government in terms of the, uh, uh, the, um, you know, the, the, kind of financing, if you will. Uh, I know the Auditor General has been critical of the government's financing processes with their uh, their model, which has not always been fiscally responsible. So I absolutely am with those councillors who are concerned about making sure that they are being, uh, you know, responsible when it comes to, um, uh, you know, their uh, oversight responsibilities. Having said that, uh, I, I really do hope that this um, uh, that this is, you know, that's all that's motivating folks and that there is not a, an attempt to, um, you know, know to reverse things here I mean the bottom line is uh, this city is growing it's growing in uh, uh, in great ways and uh, and we need to continue to um, uh, to encourage that growth and to um, you know to build the the city of the next uh, of the next generation and the next and the next generation after that and and that means state-of-the-art transportation systems and the LRT is definitely that
1: yeah, I, I've had concerns too. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to go blindly down the road and simply say I'll take whatever these guys give us. I mean, I, you know, the government gives us a billion bucks for a project that I think we need LRT. I'm, I'm on side with that. But it just seems as if an awful lot of the, from the day they made this announcement, a lot of the things that have come forward here have kind of been on the back of a napkin. You know, well, we're going to do this. Now we're going to do a spur line. No, now we're going to do a a step up to the airport. Well, there's no feasibility studies. There's no costing of these things yet. It just seems as if they're, they're not quite looking. Well, I'm looking for a vision, and I'm not seeing a whole lot, aside from the LRT vision itself.
2: Well, I mean, you know, and that's, uh, that's something that's, uh, that's worrisome for me, too. Uh, the vision needs to come from uh, the local council and the staff, right? I mean, there has been a lot of research done, a lot of work done on the transportation needs of the city going forward. I mean, I've, I've seen some of those studies. They're quite involved. Uh, what, what we don't need is a... Is a a project that's dictated by the province without the local flavor added in, and I think that's something that makes me more and more worried, uh, um, as you've as you've indicated. Uh, do I think it means we need to you know completely halt the project? No, but I do think that the that MetroLink's and frankly the provincial government needs to be respectful of the local community voice and of the vision uh, of the, of the council and of the uh, of the kind of very skilled and uh, uh, and dedicated staff who've put together this plan years ago, right?
1: You mentioned the Auditor General just a couple of seconds ago. I want to bring her up, if you could. Uh, Bonnie Lissick, of course, who's been a guest on this show many times. And and as is the job, I guess, of the Auditor, I mean, she's been critical of government spending and, and analytical about this. Uh, the government came out and, and kind of smacked back at her to the, the, earlier this week uh, with uh, what they said is a report from independent experts. That's their phrase, not mine, uh, that basically said that she doesn't. Have it. She's missing the the accounting processes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Ba- basically, trying to discredit the the report that uh, Ms. Lissa came out with a little while ago. Uh, first of all, I'd like to ask you because you're over at Queens Park all the time. Who are these independent experts?
2: Well, I mean, look, th- this, is the, this is why we, we have something called independent officers of the legislature, because they truly are independent. They're not handpicked by a government. They're not a group that the government decides they're going to have uh, engaged in a an, an, uh, uh, project of analysis. I mean, you know, the, the independent officers of the legislature, like the Auditor General, are independent officers. They, they have no bias. They are not um, liberal. They're not conservative. They're not NDP. They don't work for the opposition. They don't work for the government they work for the people Uh, and so any other organization that claims to be independent I mean, it, just by definition, they can't be, because guess what? They've been asked by the government to do a job, and just by the virtue of being asked by the government to do a job, that negates their independence. And so it's just kind of silly, but you know what's worrisome? is There has been a trend by uh, the Wynn government, the Wynn liberal government, uh, to discount uh, and, in fact, try to discredit the independent officers of the legislature, including Ms. Lizak. In fact, uh, Bonnie Lizak has been um, you know, targeted a number of times by the wind Liberals in the reports that she brings forward, everything from uh, when the Minister of Energy of the time mocked her, like literally mocked her, uh, her criticism of of the hydro system, and then, of course, <laughs> look where we are with the hydro system, uh, to, to this most recent example, and it's worrisome, uh, because these people are doing a job for the people of Ontario, uh, and their opinions need to be respected and need to be, you know thoughtfully reviewed to it, not to help anybody except the running of government you know what i mean it helps the people of ontario know that their government is um is being um, you know criticized but in a way that's uh, that's um uh, that's helpful, uh, so that the, the the issues that she brings forward are ones that can be implemented to create positive change, to fix mistakes, to prevent mistakes from happening in the future. That's the whole purpose.
1: I, mean, I, mean, look, I could go and strike an independent panel right now that will come <laughs> back with the conclusion that I was the greatest hockey player to ever play the game. <laughs> I, I, I know the guys I can call right now, and I don't have to give them the name. I don't know their names these people. And and what this looked like to me was was a very blatant attempt to try to impugn the, 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 the work that Ms. Lissick has done frankly, to impute her integrity.
2: A- absolutely, and it's unacceptable. You know, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I've, I've been um, elected now at the legislature since 2004, um, and of, certainly it's always been a liberal government, uh, but I have to say, even the, the, the previous uh, um, leadership under, uh, under the previous premier, uh, that, that, that administration was much more respectful of the independent officers. It's almost like this administration, they cannot abide being criticized. It's like Kathleen Wynne cannot stand anybody criticizing her or her government. Uh, and that's not a good place to be. I mean, you have to have, you know, some, um, you know, humility. You have to be circumspect about the fact that, that you don't always get it right and that you can learn uh, and that uh, you're not perfect. And, uh, again, it's very disappointing to see the way that this, uh, this Premier is uh, treating this particular independent officer, but others as well.
1: Well, every government pushes back. I mean, every federal government, provincial government has a, a, an auditor's report that comes out. And, of course, every one of them always does Disagrees with the auditor's report, but you can disagree without being disagreeable.
2: Exactly. I mean, you can you can you can push back, or you can try to you know kind of make your case uh, about why there might be uh, you know some disagreement. But I think you said you said it correctly when you said it's almost like they're trying to impugn her integrity, and that that is not that is not okay. I mean, that's that's not what um, what government should be doing. I can remember so many times the previous premier getting up and saying, uh, "We thank the auditor general for his report," and we'll try to do better by the people of of ontario end of story i mean end of story there are real um real kind of uh criticisms that need to be taken to heart that need to be reviewed and that can help make government work better that's the whole point of an auditor general's report
1: you mentioned uh, hydro a minute ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I got a, a just a sneaking suspicion that's going to be the ballot box issue in the upcoming election. I Was talking with Alan Carter, of course, uh, from Global News, uh, who covers Queen's Park, uh, about this a couple of weeks ago. And and you know because there are some people I think that are saying, oh, this is going to go away. It's just it's not going to go away. I mean, it doesn't seem to be getting any better, and it's now become a province wide issue. It, it, do you think it is going to be the main issue in in, the, in 2018? Uh,
2: well, I mean, the the election's still 15 or 16 months away, and so there's uh. There's there's certainly um, a, a lot of time between now and then. It's hard to call a ballot box question at this point, uh, but what I what I do know is that. Uh you know, Ontario is at a tipping point. People are hitting the wall. I mean, folks are, are unable to pay their bills. People should be able to be secure here in Ontario. They should be able to build a good life here. And I think more and more people are feeling like that's not possible. And they're worried about the next generations as well. And so uh, there needs to be big change if we're going to get things back on track. You know, it, there's no doubt that hydro is uh, the poster child, if you will, by what's, uh, about what's going wrong in Ontario. Uh, this government has been, uh, you know, terrible on the hydro file. They They've sat by and let things deteriorate year after year after year to the point now where where it's in a crisis situation, uh, and that's uh, that's very very problematic. Not just for, you know for families, absolutely for families, for small business, for industry, for our economy. I mean, hydro is uh, is certainly uh, top of mind, but you know what? So are things like healthcare. I mean, our healthcare system is falling apart, Bill. Uh, our hospitals are in crisis. Home care is not available for people when they need it. Uh, it it's uh, it, and it's a situation that's been created by government. Cuts, um, you know, good jobs. People can't find a decent job anymore. There's more and more work that's become part-time, uh, casual, uh, low-paying. Uh, it, it's um, it's really problematic. And so, uh, Ontario is, is is turning into a province where where folks don't feel like they can, uh, you know, they can do well here anymore. And that's certainly not the Ontario that uh, we know it can be.
1: What about that? I know the, the rally a couple of weeks ago here at, the, at General Hospital, of course, and and there will be others across the province as well. Uh, we're running out of money. I mean, we can't just say let's just throw more money into the healthcare system. What's 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 your plan? What would you do? I mean, if this was on your table tomorrow and you're in the corner office at of Queens Park, how do you try to get this back to? I mean, we used to have one of the best healthcare systems in the world. We're not even close anymore.
2: Yeah, you used to have is the, uh, is the, um, the key phrase. And, and, you know, all of this deterioration, much of it has happened under the watch of the Liberal government. I mean, go back to 2003, and our health care system was not in the state that it is now. Look, you can't cut hospitals year after year after year after year and expect there not to be a result. Uh, you can't ignore uh, the problems in home care as people continue to age and as health, the health of uh, our seniors and our most vulnerable people uh, continues to become more, more precarious. More, more has has a higher acuity in terms of uh, of uh, of health problems, and so that's what this government has done. And look, uh, you know what, basic. Uh, funding for hospitals at the rate of inflation and to cover off population growth should be the minimum. We've already said publicly that's what we would do, a minimum funding of hospitals to the rate of inflation as well as population growth. And then, of course, there are other issues that we need to deal with when it comes to geographic differences uh, across the province, because a hospital in a small community in northwestern Ontario is not the same as in a big city like Hamilton uh, or, or Ottawa or Toronto, for example,
1: right? But and, and again, every time we have this discussion, or the province has the discussion, or the government of the day has this discussion, though Andrea, th- th- I hear the word hospital a hundred times in any conversation. I don't hear long-term care. I don't hear hospice care. Those are key elements to this thing, and th- well, one of the reasons there's so much pressure on hospitals is because we have not developed those other elements of healthcare.
2: Well, hundred percent. I agree with you 100 percent, I mean particularly home care and long-term care. I mean we, we, we're short hundreds of hundreds and thousands of beds across the province, and hundreds of beds, if not thousands, right here in, in, uh, in Hamilton. But look, the, the other thing that I think is, is really clear is that the government it continues to make changes in our health care system that make things worse and not better. I mean, they put together this whole uh, LIN process, uh, they, they've put together they're, they're now going dis, to uh, disassemble the CCAC process they're doing a heck of a lot of work on the uh, kind of the bureaucracy side, but you ask anybody in healthcare and they'll tell you that this new uh, patients first legislation is every, anything but patients first. It builds bureaucracy, but it doesn't build commitment to hands-on frontline care and to putting in place the building blocks to take our healthcare system into the future. And we know we have an aging demographic. And so absolutely, that means a home care system that is, that is not for profit and that provides the kind of care that people need in their homes. Right now, now it's a fragmented system where where contracts come up and new companies come in and people get fired and, and you can't get the same, uh, you know, PSW uh, two days in a row, which is really problematic for people's you know, well-being and for their sense of security and for their own dignity, frankly. So there are lots of problems that have simply been ignored uh, by this government and while they continue to, to fiddle around with the, the bureaucratic structures and forget that it's the hands-on care for people that matters.
1: I've got a couple of minutes left here. I've- And again, going back to my conversation with uh, Patrick Brown a week or two ago, and and I've had conversations about Mayor Eisenberger and Mayor Goldring in Burlington about this as well. Uh, Mayor Goldring, as you know, sits on the, uh, the board, of course, for the Association of Municipalities of Ontario. And there's a, a conversation going on right now between they and the province about increased infrastructure funding, certainly from the federal government. Uh, they're talking the talk. They haven't quite walked the walk yet. What about you? As If you were to form the next government, what is your commitment to infrastructure? I understand transit. We get that. But that's only part of the problem.
2: Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. And we're in the process of putting a full platform together, uh, and and infrastructure is absolutely something that's on our plate. But look at... We can't, we can't pretend that there hasn't been a hell of a lot of infrastructure investment that's been flushed down the toilet because of the way the government finances infrastructure. This is going back to Bonnie Lissick and her criticisms. I mean, this government has spent 30% more, at a minimum, 30% more on infrastructure uh, than, uh, than necessary. In, in other words, 30% more could have been built than what was built because of the way the government has financed uh, the infrastructure. And that's that uh, uh, private-public partnership model wherein the government, both, uh, the, uh, the partners in these consortia to the tune of 30% to cover off uh, risk for uh, uh, for being on time and on budget. And that was completely out of control. So uh, $8 billion to the tune of $8 billion, that's really problematic. So not only will we be building infrastructure, but we'll we, will be doing it in a way that's, that's fiscally responsible and that makes sure that we get every single, uh, you know, value for every single dollar of public money that we invest in infrastructure. And what does that infrastructure look like? Yes, transit roads, bridges, but what about things like housing? We have a serious problem with affordable housing. In fact, we've made the commitment uh, to be there with one-third funding at the provincial level, uh, hopefully with the federal government and municipalities to help with the, with the maintenance uh, problems that now exist as well as the refurbishment and, and building of new affordable housing in, in Ontario. That means cities like Hamilton, cities like Toronto, cities across the province.
0: You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.
1: Hamilton City Council has decided to nix a request for Bay Street LRT stop. So I I thought this was done. I thought this was a no-brainer. I thought it was home and cooled up. Apparently a staff report came out yesterday, I guess, detailing how this was going to happen and and the cost of it. And and, I guess it scared them. I don't know. Let me give you a quick email just to set the scene here, okay? Uh, This is from Alexis. Says, does this city council look for opportunities to make itself look idiotic, inept, and imbecilic? The never-ending debate about LRT has been nothing short of painful. However, of all the spin and BS that has been spewed by various council members, the only thing that made any sense at all was to locate a stop for this infernal train at Bay Street. Please sign me, professional, working in the Corps, and ticked off. That's the theme that I'm hearing. Thanks for ticked off, by the way, uh, that I'm hearing from an awful lot of people. Uh, joining us to talk about this is Keenan Loomis, who, of course, is the president and CEO of the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce. I'm going to go out on a limb here and figure that you disagree with this council decision.
0: I, I do, <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, I've been trying to calm him down for the last 10 minutes since he sat down here in studio. Well, thanks, Bill, and you did
0: a great job. Um, no, yeah, we so we put together uh, a letter uh, in the summer, actually, with a lot of key stakeholders around uh, the Bay Street uh, intersection uh, at King. And uh, we had uh, the AGH, uh, the Convention Center, uh, all of the hotels, uh, Global Spectrum, which obviously operates a uh, all of the uh, concerts out of First Ontario Center, uh, Meridian and Hamilton. Uh, well, uh, y- yeah, the King Street uh, BIA, uh, King West BIA, um, and so many other uh, interests aligned. Uh, the uh, the Family Medical uh, Center uh, downtown, yeah, the David Braley Center. Yeah. So all of these destinations, plus so many others uh, that are located uh, at that stop. We got the uh, the Passport Office. You got the Federal Building. You've got Nations. They they signed the letter as well. Um, obviously uh, Jackson. Square and, and so many thousands of people uh, that work there, um, and uh, you have the Bulldogs, uh, of course, um, and there's so many other things that happen at uh, First Ontario Centre. So this was a this is a major destination, as we know. Um, we know that it's a major intersection. As a result, uh, we also know it's a very underperforming uh, intersection with uh, 270 degrees of surface parking lots uh, just in immediately around the intersection. So we thought. It was important to uh, locate a stop there, not only to serve all of those destinations, but as well to unlock the potential of uh, of that intersection. We uh, we made that uh, we, we submitted that letter to uh, the LRT project team because they were uh, seeking through the the PIC process um, uh, input and uh, in ways to make the the project better. We thought this was uh, something that uh, would make it infinitely better, and um, the uh, the PIC process uh, led to uh, It also uh, being on the agenda of the LRT committee in November. Uh, a staff report accompanied that, saying that uh, there would be uh, really minimal costs associated with it, minimal impact to the uh, the trip times, and uh, minimal impacts to the properties uh, around that intersection. And unanimously, the LRT Committee of uh, Council agreed that the Bay Street stop is uh, a really good idea um, and was uh, definitely uh, a way to make the project better. So th- they, uh, they submitted the report and the recommendation to Council, And uh, 99.9% of the time, these sorts of uh, reports uh, are received by council without any comment or without any further uh, discussion, and and something happened yesterday.
1: Well, and let's face it, I mean, we can get into conspiracy theories, but it looked to me as if this report that looked rather benign to a lot of people, as they sat down for that meeting yesterday, uh, was viewed by some people on council as an opportunity to try to scuttle this thing.
0: Yeah, well, I will just charitably say that um it appears that they didn't have all the all the informa- or information necessary to make an informed uh, opinion. Um, I'm hoping that between now and uh, the ultimate vote at council. So this is not done at all. Um, and, and I encourage you, please uh, email your counselors uh, and, and let them know that this is important to you. Um, but, uh, you know, I hope to be able to provide uh, some of the counselors with the information they need to, to make a well-informed decision. But on
1: decision that on point, Keenan, listen, I'm, I'm getting tired of hearing that as an excuse. Well, we don't have all the information. Well, get off your butt and find it. You know, th- that's their job. This has been going on now. It was how many years ago now that people at Councillor Ferguson, the Russ Powers was one, and there was a couple of other councillors, and they came in here and they told us about this wonderful trip they took all the different cities across North America about light rail transit systems. And this is what we're going to do, and this is what we're going to find. A great idea, super, you know, city of the future, visionary. I like this. So don't tell me that they don't have the information. They know where to find it. They know where to seek out. They know what staff people to talk to. They know who to talk to at Metrolinks if they want. So you know well we don't have all that. Yeah, sure you do. You you know what you just you know what you're lacking is courage. That's that's what it comes
0: down to. Well in 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 addressing the information part uh you know that that was the whole purpose behind the formation of the LRT committee. Hello, was to was to to appoint uh, representatives from council, and then other key stakeholders around the table. So we had the two BIA's downtown and International Village, we've got the Stony Creek Chamber of Commerce, the Flamborough Chamber of Commerce, uh, the Realtors Association of Hamilton, uh, and uh, McMaster, and uh, me representing the uh, Hamilton Chamber of Commerce, and we dive further into uh, the you know LRT matter. Um, because that's they, they appointed us to do that and to make these very uh, types of investigations and recommendations. And as I said, most of the time these recommendations are received by council because um, you know, they, they uh, afford the, the respect. Um to uh, those uh, the the recommenders the uh, the committee that recommends uh, makes these recommendations, because again we we 've dived deeper into it, we know the issues a little bit better and and, and um there 's a reason why we make those informed uh opinions and recommendations and on
1: that point uh, I was surprised and, and a little ticked off when I saw the initial plan that well you know it 's still i guess in the that, that there wasn 't a stop there in the first place like that's this is a hub. This is a destination, and I understand. Well, the way you, well, the Gore Park's a destination, not so much. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not trying to slag Gore Park because I love it. I love hanging around down there. Uh, but but look at as you, you've already alluded to this: the arenas there, the the, uh, the Jackson Square, well, the Standard Life Building, which, which is an entry into Jackson Square, City halls People might even want to go to a city this council would be the meeting. city hall stop. Yeah, yeah. This <clears> would be the. the it Center. was. It's a no-brainer as. as As Ticked Off wrote in her email here, it's a no-brainer that there should have been a stop at Bay. Should have been there from the first place. I don't know why they didn't put one there.
0: Well, right. I mean, it it is one of the flaws of the initial design. And again, that's why through the PIC process we made this recommendation to to improve the project. Um, If if you take out that Bay Street stop right now, you have a stop at James and King, and a stop at Queen and King, and that's eight hundred and fifty meters. Repeat that. Repeat that. Where that's going to be. James will be the one of the the busiest stops in on the the entire line, and then Queen and King, 850 meters between the two, in the very core of our city, there will be no stop, and in one of the best practices, I, I know that we want to achieve, you know, kind of rapid transit here. But we also need to serve the the major destinations. Otherwise, people aren't going to use it. And and, and a best practice is in urban centers, of course, you're going to space the stations closer together because of the density and because of all of the destinations. So, uh, again, that was... that was, you know, the, the thing here in, in talking about this for the last six months with a whole lot of people, there were so many people that, even, that didn't even really believe in the project, don't really want to spend the billion dollars on, on Line LRT, but said, if we are going to go ahead with it, of course you would put a stop at Bay Street. We had Terry Whitehead supporting this, and Terry, you know, Terry's scrutinized this project more than anybody else on council. And he said, of course you would put a stop at Bay Street. So, yeah, this was a no-brainer.
1: Scrutinize isn't the verb I'd use, but okay, I know where you're coming from on that. Uh, it, it just, and again, I want you to picture this in your mind, people that drive through this city and maybe are driving down there right now. Queen Street, top of the hill there, Queen Street. Then you can see the whole downtown from the top of that hill on Queen Street. There isn't another stop till you get to Gore Park. That's it. And all these amenities and all these attractions and all these destinations that we've just talked about are between them. So it made all kinds of sense to do this and And Keenan's point is well taken. This was a committee meeting yesterday. All these things that are discussed and and eventually decided on committee meetings have to be ratified at a city council meeting, and those are held Wednesdays at five thirty in the afternoon. So uh, this is not carved in stone yet. They have not killed it. it's the It's the vote of the committee. Some of them can change their minds. You don't need a two thirds majority or anything like that they, they can just they vote on this on this item, whatever it is on this agenda. Uh, next Wednesday at council, they'll vote on this. So if you think they've done the wrong thing, and you'd be right, uh, then call your counselor. Call them, email them, text them, do whatever you want, but just let your, your voice be known.
0: Well, and, and Bill, let me just say as well. So, one of the issues that came up. So, we don't know what happened yesterday because number one, the city's live stream was down. Number two, uh, Joey wasn't Joey Coleman wasn't able to live stream uh, as well because the the Wi-Fi was down as well. So, I still haven't even seen the tape. But, but from the the commentary I'm getting is that very few people actually commented before they voted. No, but some of the comments did uh, uh, were around uh, respect for the taxpayer and, and, and not wanting and mission creep was, was one of the issues, of course, as you heard uh, from uh, Councilor Ferguson. But so the, the staff report ca- came back and said that this would cost about $2.3 million and a billion dollar project, and it's a drop in the bucket. <clears throat> The other thing is there because there are surface parking lots to the south of this intersection um, the the property uh, uh impacts would be minimal as well and so but the point is as well I mean again, we have two hundred and seventy degrees of surface parking lot uh around that intersection. We also have uh, plans to <coughs> excuse me tear down uh Sir John a. McDonald and put something on that site uh this 2.3 million dollars is a drop in the bucket compared to what the return on our investment would be, and so I understand that you want to you you, you want to respect the taxpayer money, but in this case, this was there's a solid business case behind this, and, and we're talking about maximizing taxpayer investment in this regard, uh, as opposed to to Gore Park, which I agree with. It is a destination, and I'm okay with it. But in this particular case, this stop would more than pay for itself. So that argument to me doesn't hold enough water. Uh, I want to bring uh,
1: Councillor Ferguson in uh, to the discussion here for just a couple of seconds because uh, he was one of the people that was quoted in the uh, in the media coverage about exactly what happened. Uh, so uh, uh, Lloyd Th- uh, Ferguson is with us here. Uh, of course, the Ancaster Council. Lloyd, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate you joining us on the show today.
3: Well, thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me on to give the other side.
1: Well, I want you to okay, I want to give you the platform right now. Explain to us why you've decided not to go through with this and, and then we can have a discussion.
3: Okay, well, first of all, um, as you know, I have over three decades of experience in running large projects um, when I was uh, the head of Duffer Construction, and uh, I have learned the hard way that the, there's two things you got to discipline yourself to always say no to. One is more money or more time, because that's how projects get out of control. And, um, you know, if, if we allowed this one to go ahead, there would be all kinds of other special interest groups that would come in and expect us to do another stop that would be suitable to them. But Lloyd, I on think, that well, point, just anything, a second, I'll let you finish that, but on that more. point,
1: I, I, I don't like your characterization of people that want to stop in the major intersection downtown as special interest groups. I think they're they are concerned citizens, but anyway, go on.
3: Okay, and, and so there is a stop at uh, King and James. That is the center of the downtown. I agree with uh, Keenan, that will be a very busy location is the front entrance to Jackson Square, so people going to Nations could very comfortably walk in there or Stucco Tower or any other businesses. If you're going to uh, um, First Ontario Place, you yeah, it's, a, it's a bit of a walk, but people don't mind a 400-meter walk. I don't think, I know I don't. You know, I've ridden the trains because my daughter lived in New York City many, many, many times, both the path train and the subway, and you walk that distance, and quite frankly, a good walk is good for you. There is another stop at Queen which is only two blocks from uh, from Bay. And, uh, you know, the question that was a very good question asked yesterday, then why don't we just delete the Clean Street stop and put it at Bay? And the answer was you can't do that because of the distance the next stop is Dundurn. And, and this is all scientifically put together. It's not done on the back of a napkin, it's been suggested. This is uh, looking at uh, um, installations around the world and putting the science from the engineers who designed these things to have as much as possible equal distance from each stop and, of course, the end game here is to be able to get from one end of town to the other. And I've been a uh, a, a supporter of LRT, as both you and, and Kenan. I'm the only counselor outside the four councillors that are affected that supported this. And I've been taking some heat over it. But I just don't like changes happening midstream. And, and I, I get offended. Did you support
1: the Gage Park stop then? Because that uh, wasn't part of the original plan.
3: Well, you're right. You know, but it was right afterwards and they made some adjustments to other stops but that's the problem you give gage well then you got to give bay well you give bay now you got to have these others also and it just continues to run i think that the most of the people who work in jackson square and that area those professional offices for you know whether you're going into the Fair faircloud building uh, or others can access it quite comfortably from the james street stop and, and quite frankly i find it offensive when people say two and a half million dollars is not much money you know, you can get fast and loose with taxpayers' money, but uh, if it's your own, you would think twice about that. And we're the ones that have to stand up before the public and explain this. Now, let me tell you what I saw in Charlotte. In Charlotte... i got a, um, I got
1: a minute left here, Lloyd.
3: Okay. Okay, a lot, a lot more to say on this issue, but in Charlotte, what we found talking to the staff of the uh, city of Charlotte was that once the LRT line went in, there was developers that came along and said, we'd like a stop at this location because I bought the property. And I'd like to put up a high rise condominium in an old dilapidated industrial area and and by the way we'll pay for it. And and so if this is so important to the business community, uh, maybe afterwards if they see that they can do the same thing. That opportunity stands to them. Plus, I don't want to add any more scope to this thing until the bids close so we know we're staring down because everybody's so afraid and, and, and uh speculating if there's gonna be cost overruns in this thing. Well there will be cost overruns if we keep adding. So let's just stand still for a minute. I mean, the, the expressions of interest went out last week. There was a pre-meeting yesterday for interested parties. It was well attended. There seems like there's going to be interest in bidding on this thing. I mean, we're all spooked about the operating costs. What are they going to be? Don't know till the bid's close. So let's just stand still for a while, take a deep breath, allow the process to go through. Now, if it comes in way under budget, then fine. Let's negotiate with the preferred proponent. You're listening
0: to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.
1: Do you support City Council's decision to kill the Bay Street stop on the LRT line? That's that's the question. We want you to do, to weigh in on this. Uh, and because obviously this is pretty important, and as uh, Keenan Loomis, of course, the uh, president and CEO of the chamber is actually uh, working overtime with us here too uh, for a few more minutes. Anyway, I also want to bring uh, Ryan McGreal from uh, Raise the Hammer into the uh, conversation about this as well. Ryan, thanks so much for the time. It's good to have you with us today.
4: Absolutely. Hi, Bill, and hi, and hi, Keenan.
1: Hey, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> were you blindsided by this, like most of us were, from this this decision yesterday?
4: I I, I wish I could say I was hugely surprised by it. Uh, I mean, I certainly hoped the council would do the right thing, but I wasn't terribly surprised to see the decision was driven by sour grapes rather than wanting to do what's best for the city.
1: I, I characterized it earlier with Keenan that it, it looked to me as an opportunity for them that are opposed to this thing to try to scuttle not just this, but if, if this if this is a harbinger of what's to come with some of the other decisions and votes they're going to have to make on this, Ryan, vis-a-vis funding, et, et cetera, like that, I'm I'm concerned.
4: Sure, absolutely. I mean, it, it's I'm having a hard time coming to any conclusion other than they couldn't kill this thing outright, so they're going to see what they can do to undermine it now.
1: Yeah, death by a thousand cuts. Sure. Uh,
4: It's really distressing. I mean, if if this is happening, and if we're spending this money, then any responsible councillor, any responsible leader would say, well, this wouldn't be what I wanted, even though I voted for it. However, I'm going to do everything I can now to make sure that it's successful. And And I have to say, um I'm often critical of uh, Councillor Terry Whitehead, but he actually voted in favor of this. You know, he's had <laughs> a number of positions on LRT, but... Uh, it's nice to see that at least in this case, he put his money where his mouth was and voted in order to try and make this thing successful.
1: Well, and I heard that from a number of people, uh, some on council, but even in the community too, that said, I'm not really a big fan of the project. I'm not really supportive of it. But if you're going to do it, it's a no-brainer to put a stop there. And and I I understand uh, Councillor Ferguson's comments from just a couple of minutes ago too. And I, I, I listen. I always want councillor to make sure that they're you know keeping a uh, tight fiscal ship. We get that. But I don't look at this as an add-on to the project, Brian. I look at this as a correction to it.
4: I think so, too. I mean, there there were really, with the original uh, sort of draft uh, alignment, there were two glaring areas where uh, there should have been a station and there wasn't. One of them was Gage Park and the other one was Bay Street. And both of these were brought forward during the public consultations as uh, items that, um, you know, that we really needed to be looked at. Uh, Now, the Metrolinx team decided to go ahead and add the Gage Park station But uh, for whatever reason, the Bay Street one uh, didn't come in before the RFQ went out. And so the council was then unfortunately given an opportunity to weigh in on it.
1: And here we are now.
0: Right yeah, and and with due respect to uh, Councillor Ferguson's position and, and his concern about mission creep, I mean you know the whole p i c process was for this very purpose again to recommend uh, ways of improving um the the overall project, and that p i c process is closed I mean, so it's not like letting this happen is going to open the door to to so many other uh, additions to the project
1: well, and there's another element to this too that uh, that I've heard from Council Ferguson and others. That, uh, that you know, well, somebody else is going to buy a piece of property and want to stop there, too. This is a destination that we're talking about. And, and this is what I found frustrating when I saw the initial plan. Anybody that wants to go to a Garth Brooks concert or go to a Bulldogs game or go shopping uh, at Jackson Square or go to City Hall or go to the David Bradley Medical Center. I mean, you know, we pl- applauded the fact that, wow, what a great investment in downtown. People are going to want to go there. They, now they're going to – it's either Queen Street or King and James to get to. It. That's, it's just wrong. It's lousy planning is what it is.
0: Well, and I think that are, there are even more destinations around Bay Street than there are around James Street, to be honest. You know, so I, I think that in, in the other thing, one of the things that we put into our letter is that, look, this is also going to be a release valve because you're going to have so many people getting off at James because they're going to have to. Um, the Bay Street stop is going to be a nice release valve for uh, for that. And I, I truly believe that this is going to be the second busiest stop, other than James, um, on the entire line uh, as soon as it's open. So, again, it, it makes all the sense in the world. And then I think, you know, uh, uh, Different than than the James Street stop, you look at all the potential around uh, the intersection for uh, for development, and that's why I believe that this is um, this is not spending taxpayers' money uh, in a frivolous manner. This is actually making a really good investment because uh, this is about maximizing the investment of the taxpayer.
1: So, Ryan, what's what's the next step here, obviously? We disagree with this. I think there's a unanimity here, at least uh, among the ones I've talked to today. We'll see what the callers have to say. But the the deadline for this is really next Wednesday, right, at the council meeting.
4: Yeah, I mean, the, the good news is that this decision was made at the General Issues Committee, which is a committee of every member of council, but it still has to be ratified by an actual council meeting. So there is an opportunity to change a few minds between now and then. I think if there's a really loud outcry from the community and if a lot of people reach out, and respectfully communicate to council, look, you need to do the right thing here, There, there is still a, a realistic opportunity to change a few minds and to swing that vote to, say, a 9-7 to seven in favor, which would allow it to pass.
1: I just want to get your thoughts. Kegan uh, mentioned a point he was talking to some of the councillors before this. Of course, nobody anticipated they were even going to vote on this thing yesterday. But this, this uh, lame excuse, and that's the way I want to characterize it, that councillors don't have all the information that they need. Uh, I'm really getting tired of hearing that.
4: Oh, sorry, are you asking me? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Ter- no, you're absolutely right. We don't have all the information. That- that's absolutely true. And on a project of this size and this scope, we're not going to have all the information until basically we're at the end. This is a large uh, project with a lot of moving pieces. It's a work in progress. We don't have all the information, but we have enough information to know what to do to move forward. We had council had enough information to vote to ask for full funding for this. You know, two years ago and three years ago and five years ago, they have enough information now to make uh, what is in uh, ultimately a very small modification to the project that will deliver, as Keenan says, uh, a big return on investment. You know, this, this is just, it's a cop and it's, it's sour grapes and it's, it's sheer spite.
0: The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.